Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuy and Nick Verzellini. Welcome into the Wednesday, August 11th edition of the Sports Mix. We're presented by Brown Funeral Home and Cremation Services, Robert and Field Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Welcome into the show, Nick. You uh, excited for today? Yeah, we're in different seats today. Different seats, and we got an in-studio guest here at uh, at 12:30. We do have that. That is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. So our first topic today on the show will be Corey Kispert. The first-round pick for the Washington Wizards. He made his summer league debut yesterday. Yeah, played his first game, scored eight points, made two threes. Kind of similar to their first-round pick a year ago, Denny Advia. Um, only I think he's a bit more polished. You know, four years at Gonzaga. So has played, you know, a key role at a really successful program. While Advia is maybe more of a developmental guy, and I think he's got – more range in his game, can drive to the rim, not just really a spot-up shooter. So I'm excited about him. What was interesting is Isaiah Todd didn't play, and it was due to a coach's decision. So Advia didn't play as well. Well, yeah. I don't know if Advia is even on the summer. He's still recovering from injury probably. Yeah, so he is not participating out of precaution due to an ankle injury he suffered late in last season, but he is cleared for rehab. They just don't want to. Risk yeah. him in summer league and any further injury in summer league. Right. And I don't know if the NBA is going to have a preseason this year. I know they didn't last year. I would guess that they're still not because of the quick turnarounds that they're trying to get the schedule back to normal, which is a whole, an, a whole another issue to discuss. But yeah, I think Kispert could fit in well for this team. And I was, I honestly didn't even think they would have another game because of what happened on Sunday to their first summer league game. I thought they were just going to not have a game for the rest of the week, but that they yeah. fixed their issues with COVID and with the not having a number, correct number of players. So that's always good when you need to get young players developed in summer league. Yeah. Based on my understanding, I would say it was more so that they didn't have guys that had COVID. They had just had contract contact tracing. So, with that, you know, it makes sense that you wouldn't see people um, have to miss a significant amount of time. And they were able to, even though they couldn't play on Sunday, still play on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, the the Wizards ended up losing last night's game 89-75 to the Kings, but all eyes were on Kispert, and he had eight points last night. Yeah, and I was intrigued to see how Davion Mitchell would play uh, the Baylor rookie for the Kings because I was kind of hoping that the, he would fall to the Wizards. I felt like he would be a nice young point guard for them. And forward is a position that the Wizards needed to uh, to get kind of a wing player that can get to the rim and do a lot of different things, which they really didn't have last year, was an athletic wing. You know, most of their guys were spot-up shooters. So hopefully Kispert can be that guy. And after their, their loss last night, he spoke – to the media and he said it was only my first NBA game it's been his first game in a couple of months so he had a bunch of jitters last night and a few nervous butterflies but that's obviously a given for a player coming into the NBA from the NCAA yeah and to get him you know with the experience played with Rui Hachimura 
at Gonzaga as well. So they should already have some chemistry and uh, should be able to kind of complement each other well. The key for the team this year, I really think, is how does Hachimura develop? Because Kyle Kuzma is probably going to be a starting small forward. I don't expect Kispert to come in and start on this team. So Kuzma is probably going to start, and then they'll have Kispert, Denny, and some other guys off the bench. You know, they, they should have one of the better benches in the league, which is something that the, the Wizards didn't have last year. Yeah, when you look at this going forward, the uh, Wizards will then take on the Nets in Summer League tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern in their second, their now second Summer League game. So depending on who the Nets have in Summer League, they will it'll be a tough test again. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know who the Nets would have because obviously their big three isn't playing. Um, but in Summer League, it's not really about wins or losses, especially on a team that doesn't have a lot of young core pieces that are going to be playing in these games. So you really only have, like, I think two players that are expected to make the roster. And then Isaiah Todd, who might end up in the uh, G League this year. Because I thought I thought it was interesting that he didn't play. Because he's a second-round pick, and he was picked 31st, so he's the first pick in the second round. And they don't use him at all. Seems kind of odd to me. I don't know. What do you think about that, Spencer? Yeah, I, th- I think it's very odd you don't use him and. You really just you want to be able to get all the players in that haven't played in the NBA before, just to to get on an in, not really an NBA court because it's in Vegas, but you know just to be able to get playing time with the players that they could potentially be playing with, or the ones that they could play with in G League. Yeah, and I I thought Todd too. I mean, a big guy with some athletic ability, six foot ten. Uh, he's a local kid originally, so decide to go to the G League instead of going to college. So he's already got a little bit of experience at the professional level. He might have a chance to get some minutes at the NBA level. I think they might keep him in the G League, though, this year, and then next year bring him up because they kind of have a log jam at power forward, which is probably what he'll end up playing. But, you know, that's a guy you'd like to see. So I don't know if maybe he's just not ready to play yet for whatever reason. I mean, it said coach's decision. didn't say any injury. Yeah, and uh, let's transition not from su- or over from Summer League, but still with the Wizards. And the more over the weekend, more details came out about Spencer Dinwiddie's three-year, $62 million contract with the Wizards, and it includes some fascinating bonus. Among them is a $1 bonus for winning the NBA title. That is according to Bobby Marks of ESPN. $1 bonus. Well, I, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, they gave that because they have no confidence that they're going to win the championship. But I look at it as they believe they're going to win the championship, right? Because why would you give a guy a big bonus for winning a championship if you think you were going to win it? Because then you have to pay him a lot more money. But if you give him just a $1 bonus, that's saying, hey, we're going to win the championship, so here's a dollar. Well, so his other bonuses include $1.5 million if he plays 50-plus games this season, 571,000 if the team makes the Eastern Conference Finals, 400,000 if the team makes the NBA Finals, 100,000 if the team makes the second round. So, it just goes down. It goes down, but if they're if he's going to play 50 games, he's still making 1.5 yeah. extra million dollars. I think that comes in with him coming off injury. Yeah, definitely and it's interesting that he's only going to make $100,000 if they make the second round, but then he'll make ha- over half a million dollars if they go to the final Eastern conference finals, it's definitely one of the odder contracts with the bonuses because usually like I made the joke about, well, they think they're going to win the championships. They don't want to 
spend a bunch of money after they win it. But usually you see bonuses like, hey, you're an all-star, so here's another 500K or whatever. So we'll see. Marks added that the third year of the deal in 2023-2024 campaign, which is only guaranteed for $10 million, will guarantee for the fully $18.8 million if he plays in at least 50 games in 2021 and 2022. I don't, I, I'm guessing that means if he plays in at least 50 games in each season, because I don't think at least 50 games in two seasons would warrant you to right, it would be get $8.8 million. Yeah, it would be each season. Yeah, so we're at, ready for our first break. This segment was sponsored by Rockwell. Rockwell is now hiring for their new facility in Ranson. All employees receive competitive wages and great benefits plans, training programs that support their career growth. Go to rockwelljobs.com slash radio. When we come back, we'll talk some former Nationals, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, who finally are back on the field for the Dodgers, and something that Trey Turner said over the weekend. Next on The Sports Mix. Rockwool is one of the world's leading manufacturers of stone wool insulation products and is seeking motivated individuals like you to join their team right here in Ranson, West Virginia. Right now, open roles include general operator, warehouse person, machine technician, and electrical and instrumentation technician. All Rockwool employees receive competitive salaries starting at $17.50 per hour, five-day work weeks, and eight-hour shifts, plus full benefits package on day one of employment, including health, dental, and vision coverage for employees and their families, paid time off, educational reimbursement, a 6% 401k match, and more. If you want a well-paying job and the potential for a rewarding career with a top employer that offers exceptional employee support and development opportunities, visit rockwooljobs.com slash radio for information on all current job openings right here in Ranson, West Virginia. Apply now at rockwooljobs.com slash radio. Safety doesn't come from owning a gun, it's knowing how to safely use it. Valley Guns 2 off I-81 Exit 5 Inwood offers four levels of defensive handgun training. Get started with Basic Handgun 1, a one-day course focused on six fundamentals of shooting, basic safety, and gun handling. Then sign up for Basic, Intermediate, and Advanced Defensive Handgun courses. Valley Guns 2 has a 197-acre complex in Hampshire County with a 2,400-square-foot indoor facility and various ranges. Find out more at valleyguns2.com or phone 304-229-4411. When you've been in a wreck, you're hurting, you're confused, the insurance company's calling you. Insurance companies are not your friend. They have a duty to their shareholders, not to you. That's why you need to call us to make sure that you're maximizing what you are entitled to. We've recovered over $100 million for our clients. Every case is different, no result is guaranteed. But one thing's for sure, we'll treat you like family. Welcome back to the Sports Mix here on Talk Radio WR&R, 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10 on Facebook, the Sports Mix on Facebook, and now the Sports Mix on Twitter at WR&R underscore Sports Mix. Now we're talking former Nationals. Interesting articles came out this week about Trey Turner. Trey Turner obviously was the shock deal in that trade to the Dodgers, Nick. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you know, to, I think that's what added the value to the trade to get some top prospects back from the Dodgers. And, you know, we knew Scherzer was probably going to leave, but it just made sense that Turner would stick around and be a part of the future of this team. Homegrown guy, um, you know, had been a part of this team for a while and still had a year of uh, control with arbitration still for this year and next year. So it made sense that he would stick around and be a part of the future, but apparently they just couldn't get a deal done. So the article posted by Nats beat reporter Jesse Doherty on the Washington Post says, quote, he would have loved to stay with the Nationals, but the teams had not talked contracts since last year's spring training before they got interrupted due to COVID. So they were obviously either waiting until the end of this season to make another offer and just didn't make an offer yet. I, I don't know. I, I don't know Mike Rizzo, what he was thinking about that. But what do you think about that, Nick? It's interesting because if he wanted to stick around, initially the report was, well, they couldn't come to an agreement. Now the report is pretty much they didn't offer him anything, right? Is that what they're pretty much saying? So to me, that doesn't make much sense that the Nats wouldn't really come at him with an offer, especially if he really wanted to be there. Yeah, and if he wanted to be there, did he make it known? Did he make it you would known think so. to the management that he wanted to be there? We really don't know. But in the article, he goes on to say that he's been pretty honest. Uh, when he was getting ready, he talked to the media the other day after he came off the COVID list before he was set to lead off and play second base, which is something new for him. Didn't play second maybe if he had to for the Nats. He was shortstop 90% of the time. He said he would have loved to talk about an extension whenever and waited for that to happen, and it didn't happen. So, quote, so I've been told a lot of things over the last two years, and for me, actions speak louder than words. That's kind of in the past now. It's over, and I'm excited to start a new chapter. I'm excited to play baseball. That's why I'm here. That's what I love to do. That's why I play this game for the game to win, to compete, and these guys are doing that here, and I'm excited for that, end quote. What do you think about that quote? Well, I think it's pretty much what most people would say when going to a new team, especially a team like the Dodgers. You know, he wants to be a part of a winner. The Dodgers are known for winning, and he's moved on. And I think overall, you know, he fits in really well with that team, especially at second base when Seager uh, gets back. So they'll have, you know, one of the best up-the-middle teams in the in baseball. And, you know, he's disappointed, I think, that the Nationals didn't want to keep him around or at least – for whatever reason, they couldn't get something done because he started his career there. He played a big majority of his career and probably felt like he deserved a max contract. I think it speaks more, though, to the fact that the Nats haven't been able to lock up guys long term. You know, Bryce Harper, Rendon, and now Turner. Well, when it came to Rendon, they went for the pitching method instead of the hitting method. And... I, in my opinion, they've done that way too much over the last 10 years. Yes, it's helped them, but it's also hurt them. You sign a guy like Doug Fister, he performed a little bit for you, didn't really do much, though. He was your third, fourth guy, didn't do much. That was just a guy off the top of my head that I can think of that is just a guy that was supposed to be the guy right behind Scherzer and Strauss that was supposed to be the pitcher. I don't, I don't think he was here before Scherzer, or I think he was here before Scherzer was here, but the Gio Gonzalez, he was good for a couple of years and then he kind of just tailed off and then they still re-signed him. 
Yeah, I mean, they've had a focus on pitching. Their three highest-paid players still are their pitchers, I believe, in Strasburg, Scherzer, and uh, Patrick Corbin. Corbin's been bad this year, so, you know, for them, they're kind of locked up with his contract, I think, for at least two or three more years, I would think. So I believe it was like a six-year deal. So, you know, they're going to have to find hitting within their organization with those contracts. But again, Strasburg's contract is going to or Scherzer's contract is going to end this year. So they won't have him on the books anymore, but they'll still have to pay Strauss and Corbin. And you're not going to be able to move a guy with a four, six or four, seven ERA or whatever Corbin's got going on. Maybe he'll figure it out again next year, but just hasn't been the same guy. Well, they're still paying Max Scherzer for another, I think it's six years. Right. But it's significantly less money. Yeah. It's just half of what he was. I think it's 8 million. Maybe not. Maybe more. I don't know. That's yeah. that deal always confused me. But speaking of Max Scherzer, he made his debut last week for the Dodgers. We'll talk about that in one second. But last night he pitched for the Dodgers against the Phillies, and he pitched three and one third inning, three hits, six strikeouts. And when you see three and a third innings initially, you're like, did he get hurt, or did he do terrible? Well, <laughs> you didn't do terrible. If you just saw three and a third, then yeah. you think he. But then you saw three hits with six strikeouts. There was an hour and 45-minute rain delay, so they just said, pack it up for right. the day, let him rest. You can't really go an hour and 44 minutes between pitches. Probably yeah. more because I don't know if they were in the inning where he was pitching or not. But in six strikeouts in three and one-third inning is is pretty dang good. I mean, that's what the guy does. Right? He strikes people out. He's going to be one of the best strikeout pitchers the game has ever seen when it's all said and done. And, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, so – you know, he just adds so much to that team. Plus, Kershaw's not going to be back until the beginning of September. So they extended him. They put him on the 60-day uh, injured injured list. So that takes him off the 40-man. Right. So it gives him another spot on the 40-man roster, which probably they used to get Trey Turner up so they could keep everybody else. Well, he's been on the 10-day. They just moved him to the 60-day. Yeah. So he's not going to come back until later than was originally expected. So having Scherzer kind of fills that role but Scherzer's also kind of filling Trevor Bauer's role yeah I mean that's that's what that was my take initially when this trade went down was he's going to take over Trevor Bauer Trevor Bauer there's no way Trevor Bauer comes back this season it's just not going to happen his leave keeps getting extended two three weeks at a time and it's just a perfect guy to slot in there for the rest of the season potentially win back-to-back championships right and you know Kershaw will be back beginning of September so he gets rolling toward the end of the month hopefully yeah if you're the Dodgers at least hopefully and you know then you have the best rotation in baseball even though you already kind of have that even without Kershaw so just adding him back is going to make them pretty much unbeatable even though they're not in the best team in their division right now somehow the Giants are winning I don't know how yeah I don't know why it's not an even year <laughs> it's not but again <laughs> it's a new decade that is true it is a new so, decade could have restarted could be the odd years now yeah they might win the title every odd year. So before I give you a really crazy playoff scenario, I want to go back to Scherzer's first start at home for the Dodgers. Seven innings, five hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, ten strikeouts, one home run. That That's just textbook Scherzer, except for the fact is he was the winning pitcher and the Dodgers won seven to five. That's something that would <laughs> never happen when he was with the Nationals on a day, on a weekly basis. He no. would, that would just not happen. But uh, here's a scenario I have for you. So we all know what Kershaw can do in the postseason. He did it against the Nats. What does he do? 
He can pitch. When you're in the postseason, you know, it's do or die. Right, you could come in as a reliever. Or seven innings. Think about that. Seven innings for Scherzer. Kershaw comes in. Right. To finish it out. That would be deadly. I'd, I would not want to face that if I was an MLB pit hitter. No, an MLB team not. in general. I would not want to face that. That would be like... I just I just had that scenario pop up in my head, and I think that's a crazy scenario. That is a possible scenario this year. I mean, the crazier thing, I think, is that Kershaw's probably their third or fourth best pitcher at this point because Walker Buehler is the guy that nobody really talks about, and he's arguably their best pitcher. That is true. I, I would agree with that. But it's just crazy to think about that scenario that could happen because, I mean, he, he came in and pitched against the Nats, uh, Kershaw did, in 2019. So I was just randomly thinking about that. No, Bumgarner had done that for years with the That's Giants, true. too. Bumgarner is known for doing that. I, I would completely agree that he does that. As we're up on our next break, this segment was sponsored by Parsons Ford. Pars- Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. ParsonsFordOfMartinsburg.com. When we come back, we'll be joined in studio by Hedgesville head football coach Matt Faircloth. Next on the Sports Mix. leading manufacturers of stone wool insulation products and is seeking motivated individuals like you to join their team right here in Ranson, West Virginia. With four new car dealerships and four used car dealerships in three states, Parsons is the largest used car and fastest growing new car dealer in the tri-state area. Take Parsons Ford with huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, financing from 0%, Parsons' goal of financing for all, and Parsons' famous above-market trade-in allowances that help make Parsons number one for used cars, too. See why so many won't buy anywhere but Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. WVU Medicine East Heart and Vascular Institute has expanded and is now accepting new patients. With the recruitment of new board-certified cardiologists and interventional cardiologists, as well as the addition of two new offices, the WVU Medicine East Heart and Vascular Institute team can provide the best in heart care to our region. For more info on the cardiology services provided nearby in Martinsburg, Winchester, and now in Hagerstown and Shepherdstown, go to our website at mywvuheart.com. My husband, Mike, had hospice because he was in AFib and he had cancer. Mike's goal was to make it to our 60th anniversary. We were lovebirds. <laughs> hospice of the Panhandle helped Mike stay at home where he was the happiest. Mike lived to see Thanksgiving, Christmas, and our anniversary. Thank you, Hospice of the Panhandle, for taking care of all of us. Go to Hospice of the Panhandle. Don't wait. Welcome back into the Sports Mix. Spencer and Nick here with you right now. Now we're joined by Hedgesville head football coach Matt Faircloth in studio. First in-studio guest for our show. It's pretty nice to have somebody in studio and not talk over the phone. Oh, without a doubt. Last year, every interview we've done has been over the phone, so it's good to be back in person doing things. So you've had a full week of practice so far in the middle of the, the second week of practice. What's your impressions of your team? 
Uh, we've, we've improved a lot uh, this year, being able to get into the off season and uh, do the do the workouts in the off season and and getting that team camaraderie back together. Uh, last year, not having an off season, really not being able to get in the weight room. Uh, yeah, I think it hurt us because uh, I mean, there I got a job end of February, uh, March. We were shut down, uh, so we really couldn't get the kids together. I think I talked to the team one time before we went on shutdown. So for us, you know, this off season has been big. Coach, uh, especially for younger players, you know, not really getting that full off season a year ago. How do you think that maybe hurts their development a little bit? I don't. I don't want to say like it ruins their chance of being a good player, but right. it certainly is a big adjustment going from middle school to high school, and you know, having not having a full off season. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, it, you could see it last year. I mean, we started, we started six or seven sophomores, a couple freshmen here and there, and, and you could tell that just physically they weren't ready yet. But that's what we had to do. Uh, this year, seeing guys get in the weight room and develop, and, and their bodies are changing. You, know, you can see it. You know, you got you got freshmen putting on 15, 20 pounds in the weight room easily. So for us, you know, it's it's uh, it's big. And, and they're really taken to it. And it, it, you can see the, the changes in their body, and, and, it, and the weight room builds confidence. And that's the big one for us. So you guys have any upcoming scrimmages? Uh, we got Berkeley Springs Friday night, 6 o'clock at Berkeley. We had to move it. We got a leak on our game field. So hopefully we get that fixed here in the next week or so. All right. What are you looking forward to in the scrimmage? Uh, coming out with a different mentality, a different physicality. Uh, this team here is locked in. Uh, you know, they took their lumps last year. We were young. Uh, and the biggest thing for us was or how many kids are we going to get back after going 0-7? And, and, you know, the schedule we played last year, I mean, we played everybody that was ranked in the top 12, top, th uh, top 13. Uh, the only team that dropped out of the top 13 was Brook. And at the beginning of the year, they were ranked in the top 11. So, for us, we, we, we towed the line every Friday night. We took our lumps. But I think these kids grew from it. And uh, – since January, we've averaged 75 kids in the weight room, uh, and no 75 have put the work in, and now we're up close to 90 with kids coming back from dual sports. Anybody stand out to you that you maybe didn't see much from last year but are starting to really turn the corner? I'm going to tell you, up front, I think we, we have turned the corner. I think up front we're, we're looking anywhere from 6'7", 280 to, you know, 5'11", 290 across the board and they put the work in and, and they've really developed as far as learning, you know, blitz scheme and how to pick up blitzes and, you know, when we're going to down block, when we're going to kick block. And I think up front wise is where we really developed this off season. Uh, and our, our quarterbacks, we got two quarterbacks right now that are battling it out. Uh, but they, they both bring two different aspects to the game. One's a really good physical runner and the other one can really throw the football. What did that, your the adversity your team faced this season or last season. What do you think that it did for the returning players? It showed them what we had to do. We had to fix us. Uh, we one the culture the culture was turning last year. The kids started to believe in it. They started to, you know, buy into what we were trying to do. It was just we wasn't big enough, strong enough, and we wasn't fast enough yet. And and that off season killed us. And you know I think now that they've had the off season and they went through the adversity last year. It was. It was rough at times, and you know, but them kids stuck it out. They grew through it. They they grew mentally. That's the biggest thing about football. If you can grow mentally along with physically, 
you're going to have success. And I think this year we this year we have success. So you mentioned you were hired last year at the beginning of the year. What uh, what where'd you coach before that? I was at Hedgesville for three years as defensive coordinator, and then I went to South Hagerstown for a year, and then this job opened back up, so I came back. So what made you want to come back? This is this is where I'm from. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Hedgesville guy. Uh, this community means everything to me, and I've coached most of these kids since they were five and six years old through the youth leagues. So for me, being able to get back to them, and, and they know what I expect. You know, at practice, we don't have to reiterate a lot of things because they already know when, when we get out on the field, it's business, and they go to work. You mentioned changing the culture. What message did you have for your team this year compared to maybe what they – or had in the past? Uh, the biggest thing for us is we preach every day, fix the little things so they don't become big things. And, you know, in the past, little things is what's killed us. You know, we could go on, like last year at Brook, we drove the ball five times down inside the red zone, and we only scored once. Because every time we got down in the red zone, it was either somebody missed a key block or a bad snap. And and that's what we, we preach this year is just take care of the little things. If we can, if we can take care of the little things, we punch in from the from the five. We punch in from the ten. So for us, the 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 changing of it has to be we gotta we gotta focus on us and do the little things. So just over two weeks until your first game, that would be Thursday the twenty sixth. We'll, Nick and I will be there calling the game. Awesome. It'll be our first game together here in Martinsburg for Talk Radio WRNR and TV ten. Um, what are you looking forward to for that game? Getting being uh, going to play an Eastern Panhandle team? Uh, for us, it's it's we're ch- our kids are chomping at the bit. Uh, Friday night should be fun for us in the scrimmage. I'm going to tell you, our kids are ready to hit somebody else right now. But uh, it, for us, you know, going into that first game, the first one's the biggest one. What a lot of people don't understand is in our program, we don't have a varsity kid. We got, we got two varsity kids but that have ever won a high school football game. So, for us, the first one is the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, and all the chips are on the table in this one. So, we're, go- we're going to have a game plan, and I think the kids are going to be ready for it. Uh, and, that, and that first game is going to be – it's the crucial one because I think once they get a taste of a win with this team and how they're locked in and how they're preparing, it's going to be fun. How did that Thursday game come about instead of the usual Friday? Uh, they started it back when uh, Coach Juris took the job. Uh, it just – it just took to it. It was easy for us. We, you know, we could play on Thursday night, and then we could go watch everybody else play on Friday. So we're going to stick to it uh, as long as Coach Simpson's down there and I'm here. And I think it's good for the kids because what happens is, is you're, the, you're the main attraction. Yeah. So everybody's coming, and they're gonna, hopefully this year we're back to a little bit of normal and we, get, we pack the stands and it's an electric atmosphere. Yeah, I was going to hit on that. I mean, being the only game on a Thursday, that's got to be exciting, especially in a – in an area where high school football is so important. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's for our kids, you know, they don't they don't get a lot of recognition that they deserve because they're hardworking kids. And for them to be the main attraction uh, uh, one night every year within the, within the county and within the community is big for them. So that Thursday night game is big for them. So uh, what, just break down your schedule this year a little bit for the audience. All right, we, got, we open up with Washington uh, at Washington, and then we come home for Warren County. Uh, Virginia, and then East Fairmont, and then we're on the road at Morgantown. And anytime you're at Morgantown, that's an electric atmosphere. Anybody that's ever you know been to a game or played there, uh, then we're at home against Martinsburg, uh, and then I think we're Spring Mills, uh, Musselman, Princeton, Jefferson, Hampshire. 
I'm pretty sure I got that yeah. right off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure that's where we're at. And, uh, you know, I think if everything goes right, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a schedule that, you know, there's tough stretches in it. Uh, but I think if we do the right things, there's, there's a chance. There's a chance with what we got. I was, I, you were mentioning it will be a tough schedule. Morgantown and then to Martinsburg. Yeah. That, that'll be a, a tough two-week span. Right, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, Martinsburg's got a tough stretch before they get to us. So, by that time, you know, you get to the middle of the season, now you're looking, all right, making sure you, your, your injuries are down, you know. And then you got to add in the COVID, the COVID thing still happening. So, for us, it's just making sure kids are staying healthy and, and making sure we're doing the right things within our program to, you know, COVID, try to keep COVID out of your locker room. You brought up COVID. What um, what do you know so far about what the protocols are going to be this year? As of right now, what we've been told is it's based off your school. Uh, you know, and we got a good number of kids that are vaccinated. So if they're exposed, they don't have to quarantine. And then then you got to worry about the kids that aren't vaccinated and they're exposed. They got to quarantine stuff like that. So, you know, having your depth charts and making sure you got kids ready to go at any any time. And that's the thing with what we've been through the last year is it's it's the unknown. Yeah, you and know, one week you got all your players. The next week you're missing half your defense, and that was that's what we battled through last year. But you know, I think a year into it, we're we're a little bit better prepared for it now. For you specifically as a coach, how was that? It was was this your was that your first time being a high school head coach? Yeah, welcome to your first year. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I and you know I said it all the time. It's it's something that you could write a book about. You know all the all the stuff that you had to do because you, you add on. Everything you have to do as a head coach, even as an assistant coach, now you got to worry about, you know, sanitizing equipment. You got to worry about making sure hands are washed, making sure each kid has his own mask, his own water bottle, and stuff like that. It just, it adds on to it. But at the end of the day, you know, we got to do what we got to do to make sure kids are safe. One thing I've noticed about, you know, all the teams uh, in this region, you know, you guys all play tough schedules, even out of uh, conference. You know, you're looking to get teams like Morgan down. Um, you know, what does that do, you think, for a program like yours that's kind of on or trying to be on the rise, um, having a big game every week and, you know, a challenge every week? The one thing about it, you playing – there's two conferences, I believe, in the state that, you know, every night you got a game, and that's that's the EPAC and then the MSAC down south. I mean, every night you got you got to bring your A game every night, and then you add those other teams on there just so that you play tough teams because you're getting ready to go into your conference where it gets even harder. So for us, we want our kids to face the best. We want them to, you know, toe the line against the best, and we're we're lay we're lay it all out there and see where it falls. So, what are some players that are going to stand out for your team this year, specifically on the offense and then on the defense? Uh, offensively, I mean, like I said, up front we're we're really big. You know, Richie Harper, Richie Richie was all conference uh, D tackle last year. He's going to play both ways for us. Uh, uh, Eli Faircloth, tight end, he's back 6'7". He led us in receiving last year. Uh, our running back, Nathan Albright, back. He had 600 yards rushing last year through minimal carries with O.E. Ash back there. But uh, those guys, uh, you know, across the board, we added Tanner Matthew, a basketball kid at wide receiver. He's 6'3", can move, great hands. Uh, and then on the defensive side, I think that's where we're really good. Uh, we're still young on the offensive side, but defensively, Richie's back. Uh, Let's see. We got our two two inside linebackers, Ethan Ethan Simons back. He was honorable mention. Um, and on the back end, we got 
Nathan Albright starting at free safety. So some of these kids have been in the program and started at the varsity level for three, four years now. Uh, where we will be young is we're going to be young at corner. Uh, we got two freshmen battling it out right there. And we got another freshman that's it's in, the, in the looks for a free safety and a running back spot. So we're young. We only got we got 11 seniors, but we're heavy everywhere else. So 11 out of 90. So we're going to be returning a lot again next year. Coach, I'm just excited for your team this year. Hoping I, for I a big season for I you. can't wait till August 26th. To tell you, I, actually, I can't wait till Friday night. Well, thanks for joining us, Coach. Thanks for being our in first in-studio guest of our show. Hey, Looking yeah. forward to having you on, whether it's in here or by telephone, a lot over the next few months. Hey, anytime, fellas. I appreciate it. All right, well, we're going to take our last break of the day. We come back. We'll talk college football, the preseason poll that came out yesterday. That's next on the Sports Mix. Region. As we get closer to this extremely aggressive goal, I want to recap why Hagerstown Ford should be your only consideration when buying your next vehicle. Number one, we have the best prices from Winchester, Virginia to Washington, D.C., from Hershey, Pennsylvania to Baltimore, Maryland. I assure you, price will not be the reason you don't buy from Hagerstown Ford. Number two, we have a real return policy that's better than Walmart. Seriously, if you don't like it, return it. We'll give you three days to make sure you love your new ride. And finally, we'll bring your new car, truck, or SUV to you, just like Amazon does. Never step foot in a dealership again. Stop the silly back-and-forth negotiations that make everyone crazy. It's dumb, and it's a total waste of time. Besides, we hate it worse than you do. Simply log on to HagerstownFord.com and let us make your next buying process fun, easy, and risk-free. What do you got to lose? Visit HagerstownFord.com and let us cater to you. See dealer for details. They're my closest friends. We've been through a lot together. Seeing our kids off to college, Kelly losing her mom, my 50th birthday, I trust them with so much. So when it came to my finances, I trusted Kelly's referral to her Ameriprise advisor. Beth gives me the comprehensive advice that helps me feel confident my financial future is secure. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Ameriprise Financial. Hi, my name's Corey, and I'm here at Orsini's in beautiful Martinsburg, West Virginia. We no longer specialize in only appliances. We have kitchen design, countertops, cabinets, flooring, and even a new 1,200-square-foot sleep studio with brands such as Stearns & Foster, Sealy, and Tempur-Pedic. 304-267-7251. 360 Heck Wilson Way in Martinsburg. We price match the big box stores, and we give back to our local community. Orsini's.com. This is Joe Ferretti to announce the formation of a new personal injury law firm, Mansion Ferretti. You know me as a local lawyer handling personal injury and motor vehicle accident claims for almost 30 years. I have joined up with three experienced attorneys to form this new firm. At Mansion Ferretti, you will get the same effective and personal relationship you have come to expect from me for the past three decades. I am still at 408 West King Street and can be reached at 304-264-8505. Now with more lawyers and resources at Mansion Ferretti, it's about seeking justice for you. Welcome back to this Wednesday, August 11th edition of the Sports Mix. This segment is brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you, and if you don't like it, they'll take it back. HagerstownFord.com. Nick, some breaking NFL news as we're on the show right now. The Seattle Seahawks have released D-end Alden Smith 
He was arrested in April on second-degree battery charges two days after he signed with the Eagles, after he was accused of choking a man unconscious during an altercation in New Orleans. What do you think about that? He signed a one-year $1.127 million contract. You think it was the right choice? Yeah, I mean, it's sad news, I think, for a guy that had issues early on in his career, worked his way back, had a pretty productive year, I think, for the Cowboys last year. So to see him then, you know, go through kind of off-the-field issues again, it's like this was his final chance. So to see him mess it up again is, you know, disappointing, I think, for him. And, you know, but that's how it is. You know, you can't keep messing up. You only get so many chances, and that's what happened again. So now we'll get into college football preseason rankings. We touched on it at the end of yesterday's show, but didn't really have much time to go into it. So we mentioned the top five. That's Alabama at 63 first-place votes. Clemson, Oklahoma with two first-place votes. Ohio State at four. Georgia at five. Six is Texas A&M. Number seven is Notre Dame. Eight is Iowa State. North Carolina in it number nine Cincinnati in at number 10 Florida at 11 Oregon 12 LSU 13 USC 14 Wisconsin 15 University of Miami Florida at 16 Indiana at 17 Iowa 18 Texas 19 Penn State 20 Washington at 21 Oklahoma State at 22 these next two are pretty interesting 23 UL University of Louisiana Lafayette 24 Coastal Carolina and 25 Ole Miss what are your initial thoughts about it, Nick? I mean, the top is expected, I think, you know, with Alabama, um, Clemson and Oklahoma, Ohio State, all those teams toward the top isn't really surprising. I'm a little surprised about some of these smaller teams or smaller schools getting in the top ten. Uh, but then you kind of think about, well, Sam Howell's at North Carolina, so he's a good quarterback. That kind of makes sense to put them in the top ten. Iowa State is a little weird to me. I don't really see them as a top ten team based on how they played last year, but maybe I'm dismissing something. And then to see two uh, group of five teams in the top 25 is nice to see as, you know, obviously we grew up – We I must say we grew up at Marshall. We went to Marshall. Yeah. So – we know that the group of five sometimes gets left out, so it's it's cool to see you know two pretty good group of five teams in there and both of them in the top 25. But, I mean, it's hard to really analyze this too much because we haven't seen these teams play yet. It'll be interesting to see, you know, is Alabama going to keep that consistency? I know we say that almost every year they have to change quarterbacks, but will they keep it? I think Clemson's probably would have been my preseason number one just because we know a little bit about their quarterback situation compared to Bama, but it's Alabama, so you can't question Nick Saban, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the history of college football. Well, it's interesting to look at the final rankings last year. You had Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame top five, but then you, you're looking for schools. Coastal Carolina at 14, Louisiana Lafayette at 15, Liberty at 17, I mean, they're obviously not going to get the rankings in the preseason poll just because you don't know where they're going to be the year after they did that. And then you have Cincinnati at eight. So I think Cincinnati is really becoming that UCF of the. I the didn't last even include them years. in my group of five. Disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. My bad. 
but yeah, they're they're pretty good. Desmond Ritter's still there, so that's expected. That ten is a little bit higher than I expected for them. But again, this is a coaches poll, so it'll be different than what we see from the AP. The AP might put them a little bit lower because that's obviously reporters and stuff such. So yeah, we'll see where they end up, but they're a good team. That's really all I got about it. All right, so I I was trying to pull up the others receiving votes. I had to find it on the USA Today. It kept wanting to just bring up the articles about the top 25. You got to go on ESPN. Well, no, I found it on USA Today. <laughs> all right, well, I got it on ESPN now. I see. All it. right, well, the others receiving votes. Let's see if my computer wants to respond. No thundering herd uh, or WVU. Yes, I saw them in here. I don't see them on here. Uh, Marshall received one vote. Appalachian State. Oh, I see that four now. Vote. Actually, UAB and Conference USA received three votes. WVU received four. four votes. Houston received five. Pitt six. Tulsa six. Virginia Tech nine. Army thirteen. Kentucky twenty. Boise State twenty-seven votes. NC State twenty-seven as well. Central Florida. Who voted for Marshall? Votes. Was it Charles Huff? <laughs> Is that how the coaches poll right? Works? I really don't know how it works. Okay, so it says list of voters. Okay. Uh, Nick Saban. He voted for Marshall? I would assume that he did because I don't see, or maybe Rick Stock still at Middle Tennessee, uh, given some respect. I'm just assuming Nick Saban because Nick Saban was, he coached, like, Charles Huff coached right, under Charles Nick Saban. Huff, yeah. so, and he got a glowing reference from him, according to sources, that when he was taking the job. So I would kind of assume that maybe it was him, but Ty Helton. Could have been Skip Tyson, Tyson Helton at Western Kentucky also has one. Um, Florida International, Butch Davis. Uh, I, don't, I was just thinking teams in Conference USA. Yeah, I see Skip Holtz here too. Yeah. So. I just think that's something interesting to look at is who else gets votes because that's really the first six weeks kind of everything just fluctuates. Yeah. depending on who you took on non-conference-wise. It's a big year for both the Thundering Herd and the Mountaineers this year. Yeah, we'll we'll get a day in the next few weeks, and we'll we'll talk about them, both Marshall and WVU. I think it'll be interesting to see how their seasons shape out, especially Marshall with the new coach. And then Neil Brown's in year three? Yeah, I was saying Neil Brown in year three. And, you know, they, they're a good team. They just are kind of inconsistent. Yeah, and this will be the year you kind of see – Okay, did he put it together? Year three or year four is when you really get a good evaluation of a coach. Yeah, so now we'll move on to the next topic. Dennis Schroeder signs with the Celtics. He uh, initially wanted a bigger, or was initially offered a bigger contract with the Lakers during the season. He declined it, which was a multi year, I think it was 80 plus. He has four years, 84 million. Yes. He ends up signing for one year, 5.9. That is kind of a shock to me. Well, he was obviously, I think, offered that during the season. But how good does Dennis Schroeder think he is, right? I mean, he obviously thinks he's a lot better than he is if he only got what he got. Um, but that he posted on his Instagram account the other day that he had signed with the Celtics. In the Celtics, he'll join um, – uh, he'll take over, really, for Kemba Walker. There's, there's a hole at point guard now as he traded to the, the Thunder. So it'll be interesting to see – where the Celtics line up. I think for the Celtics, it's a pretty good deal. You know, one year, 5.9 million. That doesn't hurt anything. For Schroeder, you know, it kind of puts him in an interesting situation. He's going to have to have a really good season to get the contract that 
he wants because he's betting on himself now. And I think he's probably worth a little bit more than 5.9, but at this point, most of the teams have already made all their big moves, so he was just kind of sitting out there and needed a deal and probably wanted to go to a pretty good team. So he goes to Boston, $5.9 million, and uh, will try to prove himself that he's worth you know 20-plus again. Probably wants closer to a max, though, is what it seems to me. So I don't know. It's an interesting decision by him. A very interesting decision. and But he didn't know his market at the time. Yeah, either. he didn't know his market, and it was mid-season. So right. he still had the rest of the season to go to figure out uh, what he was going to do. And uh, the Lakers obviously went in a different direction. Totally yeah. added a bunch more pieces to be a contender short-term. They got an upgrade, I think, in Westbrook. Yeah. We'll see how it works out. But, yeah, he's definitely an upgrade over Schroeder in terms of a skill. I I just don't know if he'll fit the system well. Yeah, I mean, that's all to be determined coming up. But uh, now we'll talk. We'll transition over to some NFL talk to close it out in the last uh, two and a half minutes or so. Um, The Colts have made headlines over the last couple of hours. It's according to some sources, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, they're both trending to play it in week one after they both had basically the same foot surgeries, had the same injuries. Yeah, I was kind of confused when I saw that because I had thought that Wentz was going to miss, you know, at least a few weeks of the season with his injury. At least that's how I read into it initially. So to see that he's expected now to be potentially active for week one is huge for the Colts. But, you know, he's going to miss that entire preseason and going to a new team and having to learn a new scheme with not as much time or at least not as much on-field time certainly puts the Colts in a weird situation. Well, yeah, especially because they're splitting time with first-team practice reps between six-round rookie Sam Ellinger, I think is how you say his name. Yeah, Texas. Ellinger. Yeah, and then Jacob Eason. Eason. Yes. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to come back. And when you think about if he's able to come back, that really is something that the Philadelphia Eagles are keeping their eye on. Yeah, because it, it – determines their compensation if he plays at least 75 percent of the offensive snaps or 70 percent of the snaps and the team reaches the playoffs they'll get their first round conditional or second round or their second round conditional 2022 pick will then become a first round 2022 pick so that well that's a lot to invest in anyway that Carson Wentz is going to make the Colts an automatic playoff team so that that really that truly is based on how he played last year Speaking of investing into the Colts, the ownership did so today as they announced they've agreed to contract extensions with general manager Chris Ballard and head coach Frank Reich that will take them through the 2026 season. Ballard was hired as GM in January of 2017 and Frank Reich was hired as head coach in February of 2018. Since the two have been together, the team has, the team has had a 28-20 and 20 record and made the playoffs twice in three seasons. What do you think of that? You know, that is... Something of note, I believe Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator in Philly, so they have a background together, him and Carson Wentz. And, yeah, we'll see how it works out. I think that's a good move there for the Colts. As we're getting ready to wrap up the show today, the Wednesday, October, I'm way ahead of myself. It's You're Wednesday, in football season. It's Wednesday, August 11th. Coming up later today, we will not have a replay of the show. The Nats will be on, and the Nats will be on as well. Tomorrow, we will be on our on TV10 and our Facebook streams and Twitter streams only. So no radio tomorrow. The Nats take over as they play a game, a day game, getaway day game against the Mets. 
For Nick Verzellini, I'm Spencer Dupuy. We'll talk to you tomorrow on TV10 and Facebook.